Well, modern technology is an incredible thing. Did you hear about the woman recently who gave birth at the age of 65? And her minister went to see her and the new baby when they came home from the hospital and said, I can't wait to see this baby. And she said, well, first, let's sit down and visit. I'll make us some coffee and we'll have some cookies. And so they visited for about 30 minutes about being a mom at age 65. And the minister said, well, can I see the baby now? She said, no, let's, let's visit a little longer. And so they talked a little more, but it was getting about time for him to need to go. He said, can I see the baby now? He said, no, let's just wait until he cries. And the minister said, why do we have to wait until he cries? And she said, because I forgot where I put him, okay? (laughs) Well, I can't imagine misplacing a baby. But it does seem that the baby Jesus gets misplaced a lot during the Christmas season. And consequently, we spend a lot of time looking for what we think we want and never finding what we really need. We shop for good deals and we miss the good news. Because Christmas is about some good news. Look again at that verse that Kaylee shared with us just a moment ago. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. You see, if your greatest need was more money, then that verse would have read, I bring you good news today in the town of David, an economist has been born. And if your greatest need was for more pleasure, it would have said today in the town of David, an entertainer has been born. If our greatest need was better health, it would have said today a physician has been born. And if our greatest need was better government, it would have said, Today, God sends you the good news that a politician has been born. But God knew what you needed more than anything else was forgiveness. And so the good news is that a Savior has been born. Now you've got to understand, that means that Christmas is good news for sinners, not for mistakers. And let me explain the difference with a story that Bruce Larson, well-known Christian author, tells about when his children were smaller and they went on a vacation in California and they were back in the uh, woods doing some uh, trail biking. And they were going down this trail and they saw this sign that said naturalist camp. And he figured that meant it was an environmental preserve. And so he took the kids down that trail thinking that will be very pretty. Well, pretty soon he figured out what naturalist meant. Because a group of bikers came up to pedal with the children that were totally naked. 
And he is wondering, what on earth are my children thinking right now when his five-year-old turned to him and said, Mmm, they're not wearing helmets. (laughs) Because you see, we don't like to see moral wrong. We just like to see poor judgment. Our culture doesn't like to identify sin anymore. In fact, we don't even like to use the word because sin implies moral absolutes. Sin implies guilt. Sin implies deserved punishment. Sin suggests that what we do intentionally and willfully is bad. And so we don't prefer to think of ourselves as sinners. No, we're just mistakers. Because mistakers don't need forgiveness. What they need is for the rest of you to just get over it. Okay? I made a mistake. My bad. Nobody's perfect. It's not the end of the world. Why can't we just move on? Why don't you just get over it? I made a mistake. You see, mistakers just have to try harder. And inevitably, mistakers misplace Jesus. Because if you're a mistaker, you don't need a Savior. But the problem is, to remain a mistaker, you must continually lie to yourself. Because deep down in that part of your soul that you don't like to visit too often, you know you don't just make mistakes. You've got a bad temper or a filthy mouth or a porn addiction or you gossip too much or you drink too much and you know you do it and you know when you're doing it that you're doing it and you know you're probably going to do it again and you know it's not just a mistake. You see, Christmas is only good news for the people who are brave enough to face the bad news about ourselves. Remember what the angel said to Joseph when he announced the birth of the child in Matthew 1. He said, your your bride will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Yeshua. It means he saves because... He will save His people from their sins. Christmas wasn't the last minute brainstorm of God. As soon as man sinned, He hinted at its coming. He said to the serpent, Through her seed I will send a deliverer, and you will crush his heel, but he will crush your head. And so the whole earth was caught off guard by the birth of the Christ, but heaven wasn't surprised in the least. God had always planned to send the gift we needed the most, whether we would admit it or not. We read, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. To show his love and kindness to us through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the coming of Christ Jesus. Our Savior. Who broke the power of death and showed us the way to everlasting life through the good news. You're going to hear good news this morning. You're going to hear the gospel this morning. You're going to hear why Jesus had to come and be our Savior. The first thing you need to know about the good news is that forgiveness is a gift that, as we said a moment ago, nobody deserves. Now, mistakers have a hard time with this. And by the way, side thought. Sinners didn't kill Jesus. Mistakers did. Sinners loved Jesus. But mistakers have a real hard time with grace. You see, if I'm a mistaker, I just need an opportunity to make up for it. So just get over it and give me another chance. I don't need a savior. I just need a cheerleader to tell me to try harder next time. Mistakers don't get Christmas. Listen to Titus chapter 3. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. And He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, Christmas is a rebuke to everybody out there who thinks, if I just try a little harder, I will save myself. If you didn't need a Savior, why did God go to such trouble to send one? See, we're not mistakers. We are sinners. We have offended a holy God repeatedly with our sins. And what we need to pay for our iniquities, we can't afford. Our only hope is a gift. A gift we don't deserve. A gift that had to come in a very special package. See, forgiveness is a gift you don't deserve that had to be wrapped. The reason we can't just try harder is because there is something fundamentally wrong with us. Our flesh has been fatally contaminated by sin. See, my judgment is deserved. And you can't be my substitute. You can't take my place. Because you're under the same indictment I'm under. Now, someone needs to. Only man can pay this penalty because the wages of sin is death. And so only a man should pay it. Only a God could pay it. And so the solution was born in Bethlehem, man's perfect God and God's perfect man. Please understand, we do not teach that Jesus was half man and half God. He was fully man and fully God, a mystery we can't completely fathom. The Bible says in John 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory. 
The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The New Living Translation says simply, so the word became human. He didn't relinquish his glory. He didn't shrink his glory, but he clothed his glory in a body. The message puts it in a fresh way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus took our humanity without losing his deity. I think this is perhaps the most staggering claim of Christianity. If you don't get past this one, the rest of it will never work for you. People say, I just don't believe people can walk on water. And I don't believe you can heal the blind and raise the dead. And I don't believe you can feed 5,000 with a sack lunch. And I certainly don't believe you can come back from the dead. Well, the real question is, who was he? Was he God in a body. There are countries in the world today where you will be executed if you teach that. Who was Jesus is the question. For 2,000 years, the Christian church has asked anybody who wants to be baptized that question first. Who was Jesus? Was he God in the flesh? Why was this necessary? Why did he have to come wrapped? Why did Jesus need to be in a body like ours? You know, Jesus himself gave the answer just before he became an embryo in the womb of a virgin. Look at Jesus' own words in Hebrews chapter 10. And that is why Christ, when he came into the world, said, You did not want animal sacrifices and grain offerings. But you've given me a body so that I may obey you. No, you were not pleased with animals burned on the altar or with the off other offerings for sin. And then I said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, just as it is written about me in the scriptures. And what God wants is for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all Time. That's why I love the background of the slides that we sang a moment ago. You saw that manger and back behind it, if you look closely, you saw the outline of a cross. Because Jesus was born to die. He always understood that. Forgiveness is a gift none of us deserve that had to be wrapped and placed On a tree. You see the essence of sin. You've heard me say this many times. The essence of sin. Is when man asserts himself. To a place only God. Should be. And the essence of salvation. Is when God puts himself. In the place. Only man deserves. To be. And that's why Jesus became like us, so that he could die for us as our perfectly sinless substitute. And that's a very important phrase. Do you realize Satan never once got Jesus to live outside of the will of God? He never did anything outside of the will of God. He never said anything outside of the will of God. He never even thought 
anything outside of the will of God. He lived a completely sinless life, but he died a sinner's death. And I know that because he prayed a sinner's prayer on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we speak of this morning is too profound to ponder. That the eternal Godhead should be disjointed. That eternal fellowship should be severed. Why? Because in that moment, Jesus Christ became cursed. Galatians chapter 3. Christ rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Peter puts it like this in chapter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. What are we saying? We're saying that Jesus Christ experienced your hell so that you could enter his heaven. Now this is the part of the Christmas story that mistakers misplace. Philip Yancey in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, says that when the Jesuit missionary Matteo Ricci went to China... He took with him paintings and pictures of the Christian story to try to explain it. And the Chinese people loved all the pictures of baby Jesus in the arms of Virgin Mary. But when he showed them pictures of Jesus dying on a cross, they were revulsed. And they rejected those pictures. And they made it very clear, we want to worship the little baby Jesus. We don't want to worship that rejected scorned figure on a tree. And he says in the book, you know, it dawned on me, we're doing the same thing today. Just look at our Christmas cards. We've domesticated and sanitized the holiday. We want to acknowledge the birth of Jesus and not deal with why it was necessary for him to be born. We want to celebrate his coming and not talk about why he had to come. We want to have parties and say, Jesus is here. And not deal with why he had to be here. Because we're not just mistakers. We're sinners. And we needed a Savior. And to give us what we really needed. He had to exchange the worn wood of a manger for the splintered wood of a cross. He had to become the gift that keeps on giving. Because there's one more thing about the gift you need to know. You don't deserve it. Had to be wrapped, placed on a tree that anyone can open. What did the angel say? I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. 
Everybody's invited to the party. We all know the best known verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. My question is, what's the best word in the best known verse? And read it with me and you'll see what I think it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What everybody needs, anybody can have. Now, Satan doesn't want you to believe that. And because he is a liar, he's going to say to you this Christmas, you don't need that. You're just a mistaker. It's not your problem. It's everybody else's problem in your office. It's everybody else's problem in your neighborhood. It's everybody else's problem in your family. They won't get over it. You don't need a savior. He's a liar. And you can put up that front and play that game, but there's going to be a moment or two in your life when you're alone and you do some serious business with yourself and you're going to look in the mirror and you're not going to like what you see. Because you're not a mistaker. You're a sinner, just like I am. Oh, but he'll show up again. He's not just the liar, he's the accuser. And when you get to that place where you face the bad news, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, the good news isn't for you. God wants nothing to do with a sinner like you. God is fed up with you. God only wants to be around good people. And you're not invited to the party. Now in that moment, You're going to have to listen to the spirit of truth to trump the father of lies. Because God has given you a gift in the person of the Holy Spirit to speak against that propaganda. I love the story of the seminary student that was writing a paper on confession. And he wrote the line that when we confess our sins, God takes away our guilt. But he hit the word or the letter Q instead of G. And so the line actually read, when we confess our sins, God takes away our quilt. And he didn't catch his mistake. And he turned it in, but the professor did, and wrote in the margin, fear not, little one, you will not freeze, for he gives us another comforter. (laughs) And he does. And the Holy Spirit is there in those moments, in those, those very special, dark, desperate moments to speak and say, you are the child of God. And Jesus Christ came for people just like you because you needed a Savior and one has come. And if you're going to accept what God has given, you're going to have to accept what Christ has taken Because I want to tell you something. Christmas is full of people who sing the songs. And who go to the services. And still haven't opened the gift. I want to read you a story I came across this past week. It'll take just a moment, but it's worth it. It was on a website where people wrote 
their most special Christmas memories. And the author is named Roger Kaiser. Roger grew up, as some of you would remember, during the Depression years when life was hard and he didn't have parents. Listen to him talk about his Christmas. I was very excited. I was smiling from ear to ear. It was several days before Christmas and all of we children from the Children's Home Society Orphanage had been loaded in several large buses. We were being taken to the Mayflower Hotel in downtown Jacksonville, Florida to attend a Christmas party for underprivileged kids. We stood behind our assigned seats until the man on the stage said a prayer and then he told everyone to sit down and within minutes we were served a meal which was fit for a king. We were served our meals on glass plates. Plates filled with large pieces of meat and lots of green vegetables. There were two big puffy rolls with real butter on a small dish beside each and every plate. I ate until I could eat no more. I remember thinking how nice it would be to eat that kind of food every day. How wonderful it would be to go to bed at night without my stomach hurting. And as we ate, there were people performing some type of Christmas play up on the large platform. And all at once, the lights dimmed and everyone became quiet. And when the lights were turned back up, Santa Claus came walking out onto the stage and the kids went wild with excitement. Everyone began clapping their hands and yelling as loud as they could. And I too was excited inside because I knew, but I knew better than to yell out loud or to jump up and scream. Mrs. Winters, the head matron, said only three seats for me and she made it very clear to everyone we were to conduct ourselves in a proper manner and that there would be no yelling or screaming. So I just sat there with my hands under my legs. But I sure wanted to yell out because I was real happy inside. One orphanage at a time was led up to the stage. And each kid was handed a gift by Santa Claus himself. Please let me get a large gift, I kept saying to myself. And as the line became shorter and shorter, my turn finally came. And Santa looked at me and he smiled. Then he winked at me. And he reached over and he handed me a large box with two gold ribbons on it. And as I leaned to take the box, I tripped and fell to my knees and... Santa reached over and helped me to my feet. Move it along, Kaiser, yelled out Mrs. Winters. And I was now leaning against Santa Claus's leg. And I looked directly into his eyes. His face was less than an inch from mine. Can I hug you, Santa? I asked him. The next thing I knew, Mrs. Winters had snatched me up by my shirt collar and was pulling me away from the line of children. And Santa stood up and raised his hand in the air and he yelled out, Ma'am, please, these are little children. Mrs. Winters never even looked back. She just kept walking and pushing me down the stairs, which led back to the eating area. And I sat down in my chair, and I just sat there crying. Once in a while, I would look up at the stage to see if my gift was still sitting by Santa Claus. And when the party was over, we kids were herded back to our buses, and we all lined up waiting to board. Ho, 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 I heard coming from behind me. As I turned around, there stood Santa Claus. Holding my large box. He sat the box down on the ground beside me. And then he knelt down. And he hugged my neck as hard as he could. And I whispered to him. Am I a children? And he said. You're a good children. And he let go of my neck. And when I looked up into his face. I saw something no one else in the world has ever seen. I saw that Santa himself had been crying. And here's the point. How many of you have been forgiven legally 
but not emotionally. You've let the enemy tell you that you're not a good child and you don't deserve a gift and you shouldn't have a gift and just move on. And there is a father in heaven, heartbroken, trying to give you a present. There's a son of God dying for you to open the gift. And at some level in your head you have, but you never have in your heart. And we talked two weeks ago about needing some joy in our lives. And we talked last week about needing some peace in our lives. But you're never going to have it until you get forgiveness in your life. Because you need a Savior. You need to know that you're forgiven for that marriage that dissolved. You're forgiven for that abortion. You're forgiven for those stupid things you did in college you wish you could undo. You're forgiven for the times you wish you had been a better dad or mom or son or daughter. You have been given the most important gift heaven could send. This Christmas, celebrate the birth of a Savior. A Savior. And that's why as I prepared this lesson, I knew that I had to ask us to have communion after the teaching and not before. Would the brothers take their places, please? In just a moment, we're going to take some bread. And that bread is going to remind us That our gift was wrapped. That glory was placed inside a body. So that your place could be taken. Let's take a moment. Let's just think about what that means. Father, now in Jesus' name. Remove everything from our thoughts except the wonder. That God became a man. For us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble thought? Why did he choose a lowly birth? Because he loved me so.
Now, in just a moment, we're going to take a cup. And that cup's going to represent the blood of God. To most world religions, what we're about to do is disgraceful. To think that a God would bleed, especially for a man. That's why most of the religions of the world have this simple message. Try harder. There's one problem with that message. I'm not a mistaker. I'm a sinner. I'm fundamentally flawed. And even my best isn't good enough. So we're not ashamed of what we're about to do. We're going to receive the gift of the blood of Jesus. Don't take lightly this moment. I want you to name the sin you struggle with. It's not a mistake. It's a sin. And receive the gift of of forgiveness as you take the cup in Jesus' name. Help us, God, now to treat this holy moment in a way that honors the one who makes us holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and Let me ask you to stand, please.
As we sing this next song, there's two ways I'd like you to respond. One, you still have these cards in your pews. And if you have something for which you've received forgiveness today, write it down. And as a physical act of receiving the gift of forgiveness, write it down, bring it to one of the communion tables, place it there in the box by the cross as just a tangible act. I am receiving the gift of my Savior today and and receive what you need more than anything else this Christmas. If you're ready to admit you're not a mistaker but a sinner in need of a Savior, if you're ready to be baptized into His death and resurrection, today is the day of salvation. Come down to the front. We will do that even this morning while we praise the Lord together with this song.